Hello, and welcome to episode 166 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Natalie Kay and Alan B., the newest members of the Modern Manager community. To learn more about how membership can support your professional development, head over to themodernmanager.com slash join. Memberships start at $5 per month and include access to our private Slack community, transcripts of each episode, and bonus content, plus more. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. Today's episode is part two of the two-part series I'm doing on conflict. In episode 162, I talked about the five conflict styles. And today I'm going to talk about the difference between productive and unproductive conflict, how to deal with conflict in healthy ways, and a few tips for how to get your team to confront conflict head on. So let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. You may have heard of or even used the terms healthy conflict or productive conflict, but what do those really mean? The way that we describe conflict is both a reflection of how we view it and a way for the team to collectively view conflict with shared understanding. So let's start with distinguishing between productive and unproductive conflict, because not all conflicts are of the same variety. Productive conflict makes the work better and the team smarter. Note that I didn't say it makes the team more effective because dealing with almost any conflict can eventually make the team more effective. But productive conflict is really about improving the team and its work in a fundamental level. It's the type of conflict in which having differences is a strength rather than a disruption. Productive conflict arises when people have different areas of expertise, perspectives, and ideas, and it focuses on the work itself. It could be about the process, the content, the strategy, the work product. Whatever the issue is, it's centered on the task, not the people. Diverse teams often face productive conflict, which is why they tend to perform better over time than their homogeneous counterparts. They engage in productive conflict and figure out how to work through it so that the team gets stronger. For example, one team I work with is debating about when to require all employees to return to the office. There are so many different perspectives and criteria to consider, including safety, vaccination status, productivity levels, mental health and well-being of the employees, personal preference, access to equipment, ability to do creative or quiet work, even concerns about contingency plans if COVID picks back up or remote schooling starts again. The group consists of a diverse set of people who hold various roles within the organization, and each of them are bringing their own perspective into the conversation. In this type of situation, putting all the factors on the table and openly disagreeing, naming how each person sees the pros and cons, sharing perspectives on why one issue could take priority over another. In this case, all of this will help the team arrive at a stronger, more inclusive solution than if everyone was the same and held the same view or was just too afraid to speak up and disagree. Unproductive conflict, on the other hand, gets in the way of the work. It's a distraction that slows down the work and weakens relationships. Unproductive conflict often comes from having different styles, expectations, and assumptions. One team I work with is really struggling with unproductive conflict right now. There are team members who are regularly pointing out problems that either aren't solvable or don't serve the group's work going forward. For example, the person on the team responsible for managing the process has been with the organization for a long time, and yet the other team members don't really trust her if they don't know exactly what the process is. 
So they want her to document all the processes for the whole team to review before actually doing the work. And while I'm all for documenting processes, there are times where that's a worthwhile investment and times when it's a distraction and a power play. And sadly, too often this team's meetings end up discussing why the current approach isn't working instead of how to actually get the work done. Now, in this case, it's both a matter of personal preference and a lack of shared expectations. And to be frank, it's also fueled by some people's lack of recognition of what's helpful and what isn't. Pointing out flaws or demanding additional work where that return on investment just is pretty minimal often doesn't make sense. And if we go back to the five styles of conflict that I discussed in episode 162, there are moments when, sure, you might prefer to know exactly what the process is or event about a missed step, but it won't really help anything. So either accommodating or avoiding is really a better choice than actually engaging. In addition to the type of conflict, we also need to think about how the conflict is handled. A healthy approach to conflict is based on mutual respect and trust, where people engaged in the conflict believe that they'll be treated appropriately. They won't be blamed or judged or punished for their position, and they won't be ignored, dismissed, or otherwise disrespected. A healthy approach to conflict requires all the people involved to approach the situation with curiosity instead of overly relying on their own assumptions or perspectives or trying to win the other person over. You're actually just seeking to understand the other person's position. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give up on advocating for yours, but that the way you advocate isn't aggressive or with malice. To me, the difference is that when you're advocating, you're actually explaining or making a case for your position by helping the other person understand where you're coming from. It doesn't have any of the anger or attempt to dominate that might exist when you're trying to just win an argument. Another factor of an unhealthy approach to conflict is when there's too much emotion in the conversation. Emotions are absolutely an important part of being human, but when we let our emotions run high, they can increase the intensity of a conflict and decrease our collective ability to really listen to each other. I know for me, it's like my head will get too filled with my own thoughts and passions that there isn't room for considering anyone else's ideas. Plus, there are times where we're confronted with someone else's emotions and it can put us on the defensive where we don't want to further upset them or it can cause us to show up and match their emotional intensity even if we'd otherwise not be particularly emotional about this topic. When emotions are lowered, we can really listen and process what we're hearing and then consider it and determine what to do with it. One of my go-to techniques in almost any conflict is to ask myself questions to try to get into the other person's head and better understand them on my own. For example, what would I need to believe in order to agree with this person? Or what other ways could I interpret their perspective or behavior? Or what is driving me to feel so strongly about this? I used this technique when I had volunteered to participate on a new team that was forming on a topic that I knew a lot about. And the response I got from the team leader was really lukewarm. It went something like this. Well, it might be difficult given you're working remotely, and this was before COVID, And I really have to think about what that means for the rest of the team. I had expected her to say, great, we'd love to have your expertise in this room. And we just have to work through the logistics of having a virtual team. But since that's not what happened, my interpretation was that she really didn't want me to participate. And in that moment, I said, okay, and walked away. I was surprised and honestly hurt by her answer and not prepared to argue for a spot on the team at that moment. So I planned to confront her again because I really felt strongly like I could contribute a lot of value. But before I went into that conversation, I asked myself, why would she take that position? And I imagined that it could truly be that she didn't want me on the team, or it could be that she was really worried about the dynamic on the team and everyone else being co-located and me being at a distance. 
that maybe this team had struggled with virtual teaming in the past, or she just wasn't confident in leading a hybrid team. So I followed up with her and said, I just want to understand your concerns because I really feel like I can bring a lot. And based on our last conversation, it seems like you aren't interested in my participation. We ended up having a really great conversation where she explained how excited she was and that I had just caught her off guard with my offer because she had just come from a complicated situation, so her head was somewhere else. So I shared this example because by simply giving myself the space to consider a different interpretation of her reaction, I was able to calmly re-enter the conversation and ask her about it and ended up getting to join the team on really good terms. Now, when it comes to a team situation, there are a couple things you can do to help your team have productive conflict reduce unproductive conflict, and engage in conflict in healthy ways. I suggest working with your team members on your conflict ground rules or norms. In essence, it's about setting expectations for how conflict should be handled because that reinforces that conflict is a natural part of teamwork, not something scary or daunting or that we should try to avoid. You can check out episode 72, Align Your Team by Creating Shared Values, and episode 76, Bring Team Values to Life, for more background on how to facilitate a team values and norms process. But here's a quick overview or refresher focus on conflict. It starts by identifying what the ideal experience should be like when a conflict arises. Things like people speak honestly. Everyone is treated with respect. If there's a problem, it gets raised early. Do a collective brainstorm of what those behaviors are that you would expect to see. Take any suggestions that are too general, like everyone is treated with respect, and dig a little deeper. What does respect look like in action? Ah, it means we ask questions and try to understand the other person. We don't judge each other or diminish anyone's perspective. We show up with curiosity and really listen. From this list, identify the three to five that are most important for this team and adopt them as your conflict guidelines or ground rules. Post them on a wall or pin them in a Slack channel. You want them to be able to be randomly noticed, just as a reminder. And you don't want to have to only pull them out when there's a problem. Next is for the team to clarify conflict processes. If there's an issue, what's the best way to raise it? Sometimes it's organically, just speak up in the meeting. Sometimes it's taking the topic offline directly to the person involved. And sometimes it's going to your manager for support. You don't need to get super detailed into if it's this thing, go here. But rather just affirm with the group that they have different options based on what they feel is the best approach. Along the same lines, talk about what productive and unproductive conflict look like. Build buy-in for the idea that if the conflict is unproductive, anyone can call it as soon as they notice. This means that people have to agree to sometimes put the conflict aside. They need to learn to let go if that's what's deemed best for the collective. It could be part of your norm setting or part of gaining shared understanding of how people are expected to show up in conflict. Even simple things like, emotions aren't bad, but they can make conversations difficult, so anyone can call for a break if they notice emotions are rising. Another approach you might use is to always start by stating the conflict or the problem to be resolved and checking to see if everyone has the same end goal. It's surprisingly powerful to hear people on different sides of an issue both say, I want what's best for the client. It's just that we have different ideas of what that looks like. And if you know upfront that you don't share the same end goal, meaning one person wants what's best for the client and the other person wants what's best for the business, you may need to dig into this point of difference before getting any deeper into the issue. There may also be times when anticipating conflicts can be helpful because you have the chance to preemptively address them. If you know two people have struggled to work together in the past and now they're being asked to partner on a big project, bring them together to establish some ground rules ahead of time. 
The last part is to identify what collective skills we need as a team in order to realize our ground rules and approaches. Do we need to invest in developing greater psychological safety and trust? Do we need better communication skills? Do we need to pay more attention to our own ground rules so that we don't ignore or forget about them in the moment? Consider how you can work on these skills, which will then allow your team to handle conflict better in the future. Because when we normalize conflict and have the collective skills to manage it, your teamwork will go smoother overall, you'll produce even better work, and everyone will feel more engaged and valued. The mini guide for today's episode is available at themodernmanager.com slash mini guides. To get the full guide to today's episode, which includes sample norms for dealing with conflict, as well as more guidance on helping your team engage in healthy, productive conflict, join the Modern Manager community. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join. The Sprout Level membership gives you access to all the episode guides and guest bonuses to help you implement what you're learning on the show. And if you want just this episode guide, you can purchase it and any other individual guide at themodernmanager.com slash shop. All the links are in the show notes and in your inbox along with the free mini guide if you subscribe to my newsletter. Get on that list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.